Hi, I'm Father Daniel DePlantis, a Catholic priest, martial artist, and host of the Karate Priest Podcast. Have you ever wondered what the church teaches about different topics? Are you a martial arts enthusiast or just someone who wants to learn more about martial arts? I'd like to invite you to join me and many guests on my podcast as we cover topics of faith, everyday living, and martial arts on the Karate Priest Podcast. Life is a quest for logic and reason. It is a quest to find balance between science and faith. Life is a quest for knowledge and understanding. But most importantly, it's a quest for personal discovery. Whatever your quest, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Welcome to Quest. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Todd Fisher. I'm the founder of Metatomics, and I'm on a never-ending quest for knowledge. A quest is a search for something, and this podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. To me, curiosity is part of what makes us human, and there's still so much we don't know. I believe there's joy in discovery. It's what drives us, it's our quest. And with that, welcome to season four of the Quest Podcast. I hope you enjoy this next interview. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to the Quest Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Yeah, I'm glad we can make this happen. Uh, at the time of this recording, um, it's just right after Thanksgiving. I think this is going to air at the beginning of the year in January. So uh, we had to reschedule a couple of times because of the holiday, but we made it work. And I'm excited because you are quite exceptional. So you're in good company. A lot of my guests, I like to find just really exceptional people that have done amazing things. You are one of these people. Um, Thank you. you. Yeah, for sure. Um, you are a collegiate runner and a mountaineer. Mountaineer is not something you normally hear associated with like, you know, a young adult 18-year-old girl. <laughs> So Definitely I certainly not. want to dig into this. You're the, let me get this right. So you are the youngest American woman to summit Everest. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Wow. So I, we're going to get into this a little later in the episode, but let's go back first. Let's talk about young Lucy. Tell me, um, you know, where are you from originally? How did you grow up? Do you have a large family? I'm curious, uh, you know, how it all got started for you. Yeah, I, I grew up, well, I was born in the northern peninsula of Michigan, up in the middle of nowhere, basically, in this little town um, called Eagle Harbor, where there's about 100 people that live there year-round, uh, maybe like 200 in the summer. Um, so I was born there, and I that's really what I consider my home. We go back there for Christmas every year, for the summers, um, and I just love it up there. That's, that's uh, my favorite place on earth. But I kind of moved around a lot um either that's really been my one consistent place in my life I was lived in Louisville Kentucky up to sixth grade um then I moved to the Chicago area and grew up in Naperville a Chicago suburb until the end of high school where I went to now I live at in, um, in Los Angeles and I go to school at USC so um that's kind of been my my travel journey I definitely I I've also like lived in Mexico and everything because so, just because I have a lot of family there um, and my family is super into 
traveling and just experiencing new things, new places and cultures, um, which I love. Um, I have a brother and so my family's in total five people, um, me, my parents, my brother and my cousin. Um, she's actually younger than me. Um, like She's basically like my younger sister. She's lived with us for the past two years. So sure. that's been really exciting. Are you, are you competitive with your, you know, with your siblings, with your parents? Like, I imagine, you know, kind of getting into, you know, the athletics you've been in and the, you must have grown up like as a competitive kid, right? Um, yeah, I definitely say I was. I was probably like more competitive, honestly, as a kid than I even am now. Um, now I, I'm definitely like com- more competitive, like with myself um than like with other people I'd say I'm not really competitive with like my family anymore me and my brother do basically like very different sports he's into football I'm into long distance running and mountaineering so very different um for sure but yeah when I was younger definitely oh yeah how young were you when you got into athletics when did that start to kick in um, I ran my first 5k when I was four years old. And that was kind of like when I fell in love with running. Um, I just did it because my dad did it. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, I want to do everything he's doing, basically. Um, so then I got into like, actually running like competitively in first grade, I joined my, um, my cross country and track team in first grade and, and went into club running, um, where it really got like more serious in third grade. Um, and then in high schools, like when it really kick-started like that super serious day in day out training um so that's been a pretty constant throughout my life which has definitely shaped me as a person a lot um I don't know what my life would be like without running and it's given me the skills to be able to go into the mountains and do some really cool things well you know I think athletics is a great way for young people to develop discipline so certainly I think you know starting kids in athletics is important and uh, and you definitely have that. Did you grow up spiritual or religious? Yeah, yeah. I've been a Christian all my life. Um, and that's definitely a big part of not only like the purpose of why I climb, um, but also like how I do it. Um, I think that, you know, when, when I'm at the end of my rope, when I feel like, you know, I can't do anything else, just relying on, you know, that higher power of like having that faith to really push me and to guide me um, in my journey has um, been very important. And it's also definitely like, um, you know, when you want to do it for a bigger purpose as well. Um, so I, I am very involved in like the world water crisis. That's really a big passion of mine, what I'm trying to study for here in college and what I want to do after college. So um, that is, I mean, that's been life-changing for me as well. So that's really like my faith drives that passion and as well as many others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love hearing that. That's great. So as the youngest American woman to summit Everest, I have many questions. <laughs> so uh, first off, sure. for the listeners, you know, how young were you when you did this? I was 18. So I did it about seven, six, seven months ago. Um, I just turned 19 now, but I did it in, um, I was hiking in April and May of last year. You know, it's interesting because having the dream of going to Everest that young doesn't seem like a normal childhood fantasy when did you start thinking about doing this because I couldn't imagine doing this in well into my adult life when did like were you like 10 years old and one day saw a picture of the mountain and said I'd like to climb that like how does this happen that you can get to this at 18 honestly I I never had the goal of like just doing Everest um Everest was actually kind of part of a bigger goal that I'm trying to do 
um, which is become the youngest person to complete the Explorer's Grand Slam, which is climbing to the top of the highest mountain of every continent, and then also skiing to the last degree, the North and South Poles. So I, I mean, I've been mountaineering since I was seven years old, and I started with me and my dad, actually, he was my climbing partner, and we went to to do the state high points, which basically is climbing to the tallest point in every state, which was super cool, not only like to get into mountaineering, because that's really what like allowed me to find my passion, but also um, just to see so much of the country and to experience, you know, all these different places, all these different like cultures, because America is really just so big, you know, there's so much within it to explore. So that was just super exciting for me. Um, but I, I fell in love with the mountains in that time, just like the adventure, the exploration. I love nature um, and just being, you know, like somewhere so secluded, you know, by yourself where it's really all you have up there is yourself and your, your own skills and what you can do in the moment. So I think that's just super cool just to, to learn more things about yourself and what you can do as physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, so that is you know, kind of like how I started mountaineering. And then the mountains just kept getting bigger and bigger. I started to do some of the, the highest mountains in other continents. I've done like the one in Africa, which is Mount Kilimanjaro. I did that one when I was 12. Um, I did the highest mountain in Europe, um, Mount Elbrus when I was 14. Um, the highest one in, in um, North America when I was 17. And then the highest one in South America when I was 18, right before Everest. So that's been an amazing adventure. And that just brought me, I was like, well, I need to do Everest at some point. And I realized that I could be the youngest American woman to do it. So I really, I mean, my, me and my parents, my family just really worked hard to make that happen. And I had a lot of support from different climbing companies. Um, I got sponsors such as Grape Nuts because one of the big challenges of the mountains is how expensive it is. Um, that's, you know, one of the reasons more young people don't do it and more people in general don't do it. Um, so that was really cool. It just all came together perfectly. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually doing this. <laughs> so yeah, it just, it just came together perfectly. And it was an amazing experience. Wow. Now I have even more questions. Um, so did you complete do, doing all 50 States first off? Yes. Yeah. I actually what? became the youngest woman to do that as well. Wow. Are you in the Guinness records for these things? Um, uh, technically not because you have to like, pay Guinness person to like come oh, and verify all gotcha. the records and, and right. like write it in the book and I was like that's okay yeah. <laughs> but but yeah it is it is a, the record so so it seems odd in the 50 states like what was the flattest state what was the one with the least highest point I'm curious I, probably like Florida Louisiana I can't remember which one it is exactly but a few of them I'd say around like 15 are just about like driving there it's it's very like a few steps out of your car I remember one was wow. like in the sidewalk somewhere in some neighborhood it was actually really hard to find so because wow. those are sea level pretty much sea level states right there so I assume mm -hmm. the I'm not at all knowledgeable in this at all I should be probably bad. but what is the highest peak in the U.S. I guess that's in the Pacific Northwest right um it's in Alaska it's so in that Alaska. one is okay. actually yeah that one's the tallest one in North America as well so that's kind of what sparked my um, kind of tied those two goals together um, was completing the 50 states. My last one was Alaska, Denali. And actually that one I went to when I was 13 because I completed all the other states when I was 12. And then I went to go climb Denali 
when I was 13 and we made it to high camp. It took us 21 days in total, but there was, um, there was an accident on the mountain at, at high camp. Uh, our guides had to go on a rescue mission for someone not in our group, but in a group around us. And after that, uh, the man unfortunately didn't make it. So the whole like upper mountain was evacuated due to weather coming in and we just didn't have the chance to try for this summit. So I, after that, I kind of got into like high school running really um, intensely. So I was like, oh, I don't have time to go back and, and try for this mountain, but I was able to go back when I was 17 and complete it. So that was really, really cool to see. Wow. That's incredible. Um, you know, is, are you usually the youngest person on the mountain? Like, are there other kids that are 13 years old climbing? Very rarely. I am. I've almost always been the youngest person on any mountain. Um, on Denali, there was actually one kid younger than me, which was really cool. It was a boy. I think he was, I want to say 15, 14 or 15. And he was actually trying to become the youngest, um, male to ever to do the 50 states so I mean it's very rare to that's the only other time I've seen someone my age in the mountains um which was like really cool to see but yeah that's one of my big you know initiatives is to get more young people in the mountains especially young women just because that is um definitely a stereotype that um that's held like oh you know if you're smaller you can't carry as much of a pack because mountaineering is um, a lot about carrying a very heavy backpack at times, um, just because you need so much gear. Um, and you're often on the mountains for very long amounts of times, weeks, sometimes close to a month. Um, so carrying all that gear can definitely be challenging, but it's definitely not impossible. I mean, I hope that my story shows that, that it's not impossible and that, you know, young people, women are, everyone can be in the mountains and, and thrive there. Yeah. So what do you think? I, I always thought of mountaineering for a long time obviously I'm much older than you but like it was always kind of like a male dominated kind of sport in a way where do you see the lines drawn now are we seeing significantly more females that are mountaineering than there were in the past what what would you say the ratio is to that I'd say they're definitely it's definitely improving there definitely are a lot more but it's nowhere near equal still um I'd say maybe like 10 to 20 percent um wow. is female um and then the rest yeah the rest male um even less young people uh very few and it does definitely depend on like the mountain on the region as well um on everest there i would say i've like felt like there was a pretty good amount of women on everest i was actually um pleasantly surprised by that um which was really cool to see uh, but on Denali, I didn't see very many women at all. Um, just like, yeah, on a lot of mountains. And there's, there actually, I'm, I'm partnering with this, um, this company called All Summit Scholarship. Um, they're a nonprofit that actually provides grants uh, for women to go into the mountains and to be guided by all women teams. They provide amazing teams um, of women that actually, you know, take you to the mountains, show you, give you the skills that you need. Um, and it's really cool because it's the only like all women run woman run um, expedition that um, that's out there. So um, I'm partnering with them this upcoming year to um, to guide a trip up Mount Baker and applications are actually um, going to launch on December 5th. So that's really fun, uh, like coming up really fast. So it's women anywhere from 14 to 19 because I really wanted to be 
kind of that younger crowd just because I started so young mountaineering and I feel like a lot of you know young people are super underestimated um in the mountains um and it's I mean you you can do it I think I mean just in general I think young people are often underestimated for what they understand um what they can do physically and um I'm really excited to to hopefully you know show a few girls how to how to like how to mountaineer and hopefully spark that passion within them right right that's that's wonderful I'm curious you know how do you particularly with like something like Everest how how do you train for mountaineering what are the most important strengths you need for something like this yeah um, I'd say endurance is definitely a big key just because the mountains are um they're very long that's like the main part there's definitely like um some like explosiveness needed when you're actually like you know physically like climbing um taking big like steps with a big backpack can definitely be hard but for the most part it's just a very long haul um multiple days and some days can be extremely long hours um on Everest my longest day was summit day summit days are often the longest day and mine is 15 hours so just trying you know continuing to hike for 15 hours uh, is definitely mentally challenging. The mental part of climbing is no doubt the hardest part. Uh, just, you know, getting yourself to to continue uh, can be very challenging, especially when the altitude hits and you just feel horrible because altitude, I mean, that's a huge component of mountaineering. Um, altitude can, um, it makes, you know, harder to breathe. You don't, you don't get as much from the air you breathe. So you're deprived of oxygen, your lungs tire, your muscles tire, you just feel, you know, a lot weaker up there. So that's a major component and something that's really hard to train for as well, unless you live near mountains or near elevation that you can get to. So that's always been something that's tough for me because I've lived, you know, Chicago, Louisville, very flat uh, places, but how I train is just training that endurance and that, you know, the, the muscles that you need. I, I just use my running for the endurance side, um, you know, running like 35 to 50 miles a week. Um, and then also just, you know, weightlifting pretty consistently here. I do it three, three to four times a week, weightlifting and bodybuilding. Wow. Um, you, they say the, all the Olympic athletes train in Colorado because, they want to train them at high altitudes to make them make them better athletes. So I think there's several like training centers that are there. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the benefits you get from being at high altitude are amazing just because you're, you produce so many more red blood cells up there. So when you come back to sea level, you, you just can use the oxygen so much more efficiently in your body, which is amazing. I, I haven't like done any competitions right after climbing a mountain, but uh, but I'd love to see kind of how that affects me for sure. Um, do you how do you train for the weather, or is there such a thing? Honestly, no. The weather you just have to you just have to take it as it comes and and be mentally tough with it. Um, the weather is a huge component of mountaineering, just because it's so unknown. The weather can change in one second up there, and it can be life threatening. Um, I mean, avalanches, storms. The, when the visibility goes. I mean, you don't know if you're walking off a cliff or not, and it can be very dangerous. So the weather is definitely something that is like one of my least favorite parts of mountaineering just because it's so uncontrollable. Um, I mean, you can be feeling great physically 
and have to turn around because of the weather. Um, on Everest, we were at Camp 3, which there's four camps in total, and then the summit. So we were two days away from the summit, and I was feeling great, but the winds were just so high that we had to turn around, um, and I was scared that we weren't going to, you know, have an attempt to at the summit. Uh, luckily, like the day after, the weather cleared up, and we went back up again. But just, I mean, even spending that energy of going up a day and then having to come back down was very, um, very mentally challenging for sure and physically challenging. So the weather is something that you can't really prepare for. Um, you just have to be prepared for, for whatever comes your way. And honestly, just look at it the day, the morning of, There's sometimes you can't even predict the weather uh, correctly up there, even though they have amazing technology that's improved a lot, but a lot of the times it's not correct. So preparing for weather might just be preparing your mental game more than anything. Yes. You know, yeah, for sure. Just for to, sure. to mentally power through, whether it's rain or snow or sleet or whatever, wind, high winds or whatever it might be. Yeah. And everyone definitely has to, you know, find their own comfort level of what they're, you know, comfortable going through. You have to know yourself really well, what your skills are, what your capabilities are, because I mean, there's a very fine line up there between stupid and brave, you know, uh, between like pushing through something that that will get you to the top, but not pushing through something that'll get you killed getting to the top um, or getting back down. Because I mean, it's very, very dangerous on the mountains. Um, and that's something that you have to always be aware of and really know how much you're willing to risk um, getting to the top. And tell me about the experience getting to the top. What was that like? On Everest, it was, I mean, it was absolutely amazing. It was one of my favorite mountains that I've ever been on by far probably the most beautiful just because there's so many mountains around you uh, I mean we hiked for eight days just to get to base camp and the Himalayas like there's snow-peaked mountains all around you the entire way it's absolutely gorgeous um, so that was just amazing it was really cool because my family and friends a few a group of 10 people actually accompanied me to base camp before I went on with just my Sherpa um, from there. So that was a super cool experience as well, um, just to have them around me. Um, but it was definitely very hard um, from, from base camp onward. Uh, I mean, going through the ice fall, the ice fall is, um, is a bunch of crevasses, essentially a field of crevasses that takes about six hours, four to six hours to climb through. And that is going from base camp to camp one. And it's just very technical. I'd never done a lot of ice climbing before. So, I mean, there's, it's not like bare ice climbing. There's a lot of ropes that, that um, you can, you know, help use to help you get up, but it is a, it is a lot of work, especially with a very heavy backpack, which is something that I, you know, is a struggle for me a lot of the times just because I'm so small. So um, having that backpack on and climbing up, you know, vertical faces is, it was very difficult. So that day was very difficult. Um, and then, I mean, all of, all of every day held its challenges. Summit day, um, you just have, you have to get up at 9 p.m. And, and start hiking, which is really challenging on your body. It's pitch black out. And there was just a line of people that, that was really hard to get past. So that was and very slow moving. So that was definitely a challenge mentally. But, you know, once you get to the top, it's all worth it. It's so beautiful up there. It's, you're above the clouds? I don't even know how to do Yeah, yeah, you're above the clouds. Um, I mean, not always. It kind of depends, you know, on the weather. But right, for me, sure, on yeah. summit day, 
the clouds were all below. There's just a mountain peaks all around you, like peeking out of the clouds and they were like pink and orange. We summited about an hour after uh, sunrise. So it was a beautiful time of day. Oh yeah. That's perfect. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Giving people that are listening just a perspective, because this is audio only podcast, you know, to be above the clouds, you're pretty high up there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Over 29,000 feet. It was crazy. Is Everest the hardest mountain to climb in the world? No, no, it's the tallest, but there's definitely harder ones. Um, and and there's a lot of different aspects of climbing. There's, you know, mountaineering, which is mostly what I do. There's like the rock climbing aspect, the ice climbing. So every, you know, all of those have different mountains that are, you know, the hardest or very difficult. So for the mountaineering world, some of the really known hard ones, I mean, Everest is a very known hard one, but the hardest are probably Annapurna and K2. Um, they're some of the most dangerous as well, um, just because of their avalanches. And they're they're both in the Himalayas. K2 is the second tallest mountain in the world. Um, Annapurna is one of the 16 mountains in the world that's over 8,000 feet. So that one's very tall as well. But height is definitely not the only thing that, that goes into these mountains. There's um, just how technical it is, um, how, you know, how long it is, uh, what what um endurance you need to get to the top how steep it is there's a lot of different factors for sure and how much snowfall so um so those are some of the hardest ones and then i mean climbing i haven't done a lot of climbing so i'm not an expert but i mean in patagonia there's insanely difficult uh places to climb and all around the world so um so yeah i don't know i mean i don't know if anyone could peg the one hardest mountain just because there's so many difficult aspects of so many mountains that sure. that it's really yeah it's difficult to just peg one tell me about what's the emotional component of this like when you're going up a mountain is it is it a mixed bag of things are you are you sometimes crying sometimes angry sometimes euphorically happy what do you go through on an emotional level or do you tune that out with your mental game don't talk about that for a moment yeah no it's definitely an emotional roller coaster um for sure and i mean in the mountains, I feel like in my day-to-day life, it's just so busy that a lot of, you know, the feelings and the emotions get kind of like lost or like dulled down. But in the mountains, I, you feel so much. I mean, you're, you're so invested in what you're doing and there's so many things that you can control, but there's so many things you can't control. And a lot of times your emotions get tied up in those and you definitely can't, you, there's definitely like sometimes that you have to shut off your emotions when you're in a very technical area and you have to completely focus on one thing it's very handy to be able to, you know, not get overly like frustrated, overly angry, or yeah, like, you know, scared. Being scared is is probably the worst thing, honestly, for climbing that. Um, and I've definitely worked on that a lot uh, through my mountaineering and just having the experience of being in the mountains is what is what has, you know, prepared me to to just not be scared. I mean, the more you do something, the more you get used to it. So I almost feel like, you know, heights, I used to be afraid of them when I was younger, when I first started climbing, but now I'm pretty numb to them. And now it doesn't really freak me out anymore, um, which is which is very important for climbing because if you're, you know, scared of heights and you're around heights all the time, that's going to fog up your, your senses. Um, so you definitely have to be super mentally in it. But, sure. you know, when you get in those tents um, at night and just like decompress, I have a journal that I, that I, um, 
just, you know, journaling every night when I'm on the mountains. So that's, you know, an area where I just recap the day uh, and, you know, allow myself to feel everything. And, and sometimes in those rest moments, you just have to like take a look around, you know, like I remind myself of that often when in super beautiful moments, I'm like, okay, I just need to like stand here for a second and take it all in. Yeah. For sure. That's kind of the spiritual component coming in, actually, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. For sure. No, that's some of the, I mean, when I'm climbing just the whole time, or not the whole day, but a lot of the time, I'm just like, I'm just praying in my head, you know, and like thanking God for this opportunity to be on in this beautiful area of the world. Sure. Sure. This may seem like a, a silly question. Um, if it is, I apologize. But, you know, do you, when you're, you know, taking these long journeys, particularly with like Everest and how long you had to hike just to get to the first, you know, to the first base camps. Like some of these, some of these things seem like a really long time. Are you just left with your thoughts during that journey and you have to keep kind of watching and listening for things or can you put in, you know, your AirPods and listen to something? Like, is that silly to say, can you listen to music on your way up or do you need to be tuned into everything around you? Yeah, no, no, there's definitely different parts of the mountain that require different things. So um, up to base camp, uh, I had like a speaker on my backpack uh, that I was you know, blasting music like the whole time. Um, and me and one of my friends were just like dancing the entire way up. Um, so like those, the parts of the mountain that's more like hiking, um, where there's no dangerous avalanche danger, um, when you're not on the glacier, that those areas are usually totally fine to wear headphones in. Um, or just listen to music and kind of be distracted. But when you get, you know, above base camp, um, I never, I never wear headphones when I'm climbing just because you need to hear avalanche danger. You need to hear the glacier, the ice is moving and you need to be able to communicate with your team because that's super important. I mean, it was just me and my Sherpa on Everest, but a lot of these mountains you're roped up to, you know, three, four, sometimes even five people. And you need to be able to to hear if someone yells stop. If someone needs to stop, you don't want to just like keep hiking and like pull them along. Uh, and yeah, it's it's super important to have that communication. So definitely different mountains and different parts of each mountain uh, allow for different things. My uh, producing partner's in Colorado. So many times when I'm out there, he tries to get me to bicycle up something that's really tall or I've run out of air halfway up. Like I don't realize how incredibly out of shape I am whenever I go out there. And um and it's insane. But he tried to get me rock climbing um several years ago. But I'll tell you what the hardest thing was for me, I'm not scared of heights. I really would like the challenge of learning this this type of stuff more, which is why I love guests like you because you know, I bring these exceptional people on that tell these stories. And I'm just like, man, you know, I, I want to know about this just as much as I think other people do. Um, even if I might not take it to the extent that you have, I don't think I have any dreams of climbing Everest uh, at, in the near future, maybe some small, you know, some small things in a, whatever state I might be in. But but my my biggest, where I was I'm getting off the subject, but my biggest um, problem was having faith in my equipment like trusting that mm-hmm. that's what really like was in my head all the time. Like, are these ropes going to support me? This carabiner is going to, you know, that's what I couldn't get past that. Like it was like really a weird mental block for me to trust the equipment, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. I mean, equipment is, is your life up there. You know, one thing goes wrong. I mean, you're, ba- you're clipping your life to your carabiner and, you know, on a rope. Yeah. So I can definitely see where that's, you know, that's a valid, <laughs> a very valid fear. 
um, I I just learned like there's really no if you if you want to do it there's really like you just have to trust them yeah. there's no other alternative so I've and I've seen enough people been enough around it enough and and use this equipment enough where I mean I've never seen it you know I've never seen a rope snap the mountaineering ropes yeah. are are super amazing technology especially nowadays uh we're I'm so lucky I'm not climbing 100 years ago because those ropes definitely did snap yeah. um and yeah. yeah it's definitely getting a lot better I feel the definitely same getting a lot better I feel the same way when I, when I parachute or skydive, it's just, you know, how many times have they used this equipment and who packed the chute, <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it gets in my yeah. head, although I'll still do it. You know, it's, it does, it does mess with me a lot. It really does. But uh, anyways, moving on. So you're currently at USC now. Tell me about that, that experience. You've gone from the the Midwest to California. So it's the, what's that transition been like for you? It's been really fun. I really wanted, you know, something different from um, from the Midwest. I wanted something that was just like new. Uh, I love adventure. I love new experiences. So um, I was super happy to to just get to a different culture um, and and you know make new friends and and meet new people, have new experiences with the running team. Um, running college is definitely a lot different than high school, um, and also the academics. Going to school is a lot different. Living on my own. Uh, so def- there's definitely been a lot of adventures out here, um, but it's been it's been a really good experience overall, and I feel like I've I've transitioned pretty well, um, and I love my roommates. They're awesome. I I love it here. Like the school's beautiful, um, which is amazing. the The team is great, uh, but there's definitely hard parts for sure. I mean, like anything, there's ups and downs. So you know, finals coming up, that's super stressful. So uh, yeah, there's there's good and bad for sure, sure but i i'm happy here you talked a little bit earlier in the um in the interview about the explorers grand slam let's just kind of go over that a little bit more how many kind of challenges are there for this and how many have you done how many are coming up like let's go over the specifics of that because you're also raising money for this too aren't you yeah i'm trying to get you know sponsors um to to help support me just because i mean there's no way I could do it without sponsors. Um, the the North and South Pole, Everest, are very expensive expensive climbs. So I've kind of done, you know, the ones I could do by myself, essentially, uh, excluding, I mean, also Everest, Everest. I, um, I got an amazing sponsor from Grape Nuts. It's like this cereal brand um, that they were, I mean, really kind to me, just gave me, you know, $12,000 um, along with other, you know, nine other women mountaineers that, we're doing the North and, North and South Poles and Everest that year, which was like amazing that they're supporting that cause. Um, they, they did it because of the 50th anniversary of Title IX. So that was just a super cool initiative there. And, um, and yeah, I mean, the next ones, there's, there's seven mountains in total plus the two poles. So nine, you know, kind of, I guess, summits uh, to, to reach challenges to do. And I've done uh, five so far. So I have two more mountains and then the North and South Poles. So uh, that's actually three expeditions just because the South Pole, uh, when you go to Antarctica, you could do the tallest mountain in Antarctica and the South Pole just in one trip. So um, three different trips left for me. And um, unfortunately, I was planning on going to Papua New Guinea to do the tallest mountain in Oceania uh, this Christmas break. But unfortunately, the mountain is, um, they're not giving out permits this year. 
uh, just because the tribal warfare there is is really still dangerous. And right. so it's been closed for three years. So I'm really hoping I have a year and a couple months to do it. So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that I'll be open in the summer. I really hope that that will allow me to to do that. But some things are just out of your control, you know, and you have to trust that, sure. that you know, God has the perfect plan that things will work out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, you're likely going to achieve some pretty major goals before you're ever old enough to drink. <laughs> I'm curious <laughs> what's in store for, you know, 40 year old Lucy. What's what are the future goals after you've hit all these the highest points of Earth? What's next? Do you need to go to Mars and climb the tallest mountain <laughs> there? Like, I don't know. What's what what's the future hold for you? What's what are the dreams? <laughs> ambitions i definitely i have joked about um climbing the tallest mountain in there but yeah no i mean i i really like to take it kind of one step at a time for sure so i'm um, just completing this goal is is my next step and then once this goal is complete i'll look to the next one um but i mean the day in day out of college running is also you know a big a big goal for me to just improve as much as i can um in my running career and see where that takes me i'd love to you know run marathons um, possibly get back into triathlons. That was something I was really passionate about before I came to college to run. Um, so maybe doing Ironmans would be amazing. Um, but I'm definitely, I mean, I love climbing. So I'm always going to climb and always going to have a goal that I'm I'm pushing for with that. So, I mean, I, I had in the back of my mind too, and it's a very popular thing to do right now is to climb the tallest, the 16, the eight tallest peaks that are above, or sorry, 16 tallest peaks that are above um, 8,000 uh, meters. So that, I mean, that's a very challenging goal that, that includes pretty much the hardest mountaineering mountains in the world. Hmm. So, um, and they're all, you know, in the Himalayas, amazing, like super tall mountains. So uh, I'd love to start doing more of those uh, possibly over the summer. Um, and, you know, just on, onward in my life, I definitely want to complete that goal at some point. That's exciting. Well, Lucy, you are quite extraordinary, really. I am uh, so happy that you came on the show today. Um, tell everyone, how can people find you out there on the interwebs? Yeah, I, I'm on Instagram and TikTok are my main platform. So what's next, Lucy, uh, is my my username for both of those. And I'm also on YouTube. I post pretty much just long like videos of my expeditions on there. So I don't frequently post, but those are some, some really cool videos if you want to like learn more of just the day-to-day -day, like what it is to climb a mountain I mean I like do little vlogs every day put them together in the video after that so you can see you know I made some for Everest um I made them for the tallest mountain in South America Aconcagua when I climbed that one I made the one for Denali the tallest one in North America so um just yeah you can check that out too it's just Lucy Westlake is is my username so those are the, the platforms I'm really on. I'm also on Facebook. It's kind of linked to my Instagram. So what's next? Lucy do you have a website too? Well. Or do you have a .com? Yeah, yeah. LucyWestlake.com. Um, you can find out more about my story. Um, you know, what I'm involved in with the water crisis, um, with different initiatives to get more women in the mountains, um, everything like that. I think there was something on your website, if I recall, that showed kind of this Explorer's Grand Slam and a little map of all the mountains and all that stuff. Was Did I see that on there? Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually in the process of updating my website right now. So it should be um, coming out with some cool new updates soon. Well, that's great. Lisa, uh, Lucy, I appreciate you uh, uh, coming out today and let's talk soon. 
yeah thank you so much for having me it was great to talk to you and i hope the listeners all enjoy we'll talk to you soon take care hi everyone i'm todd fisher the host of the cult following podcast Cult Following is a podcast that studies the personalities and common traits of cult leaders and their followers. Get the real story behind these infamous and oftentimes tragic cults from a new perspective, through exhaustive research and from interviews with people that were there. Available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and Anthony Smith and is distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure and visit the official website for Metacortex Publishing at metacortexpublishing.com or find us on social media for other unique content.